All right, welcome to Choir Talks. My name is Greg O'Neill. I'm the worship pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, and I'm glad that you found this podcast. This week I was reading through 1 Corinthians, and uh, I read 1 Corinthians 13 and recognized that I'd never spoken on this chapter in any of the Choir Talks podcast. So today we're going to look at it. Uh, many Christians call it the love chapter, um, which will be obvious for obvious reasons as we get into it. You'll see if you don't know this chapter, but it's it's an awesome chapter. It is one of the most beautiful and poetic things that the Apostle Paul ever wrote in Scripture. Uh, I have a couple of quotes here. G. Campbell Morgan said that examining this chapter is like dissecting a flower to understand it. If you tear it apart too much, you lose the beauty. Hopefully we won't do that today. Alan Redpath said uh, that one could get a spiritual suntan from the warmth of this chapter. So it's a famous and beautiful chapter. Uh, Before we read it, um, here's the context. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, uh, and right before this chapter, he's writing particularly about spiritual gifts. They, uh, this church was apparently just enamored with spiritual gifts, but apparently also they were missing the motive uh, and the goal behind the gifts, instead making the gifts an end goal on their own. So Paul wants to address this, and he, he bridges that discussion into this love chapter by saying this. He says, yet I'm going to show you a more excellent way. So not just the gifts, but here is... The, the motive behind them and what makes them special. Uh, so he starts this chapter um, by saying that the spiritual gifts themselves without love are just noise. Here's what it sounds like. If I speak with the tongue of men and of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. So the spiritual gifts are good. He's not speaking badly about them, but they have no value separate from love. Love is the the greater good here, not the spiritual gifts. And if our priority is love, uh, then that will trickle down into what we do, in this case, the spiritual gifts. He goes on to say that even dramatic acts of self-denial without love are worthless. Here's that verse. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So uh, giving to the poor is a very important thing in the Gospels. It's a good thing, but you can give to the poor just to make yourself feel good or to make yourself look good in front of others. So our motivation has to be love. Whatever we do in the way of spiritual gifts but also um, sacrificial acts needs to be motivated by love and not anything else. By the way, let's talk about love real quick. Paul chooses a particular word for love in this chapter, and that word is, in the Greek, agape. So the Greeks had at least four different words for love. Uh, The first one is eros, which um, we use today in our English language, get the word erotic from. So obviously this is a sexual kind of love, a love um, between uh, men and women. And then there's uh, storge, which is a family love, uh, the love of a parent for, for a child, for instance. And then there's philos, 
which is brotherly friendship type of love. And then fourthly, there is agape. And agape is the most godlike type of love. It is a self-sacrificial, self-giving love that gives without expecting any repayment. It is giving to the unlovable or the unappealing, even when that love might be rejected. And by the way, when this word love is used in this chapter, it has little to do with emotion. It has to do with actions, um, the things that we do to show this kind of love. All right, then he goes on to, to talk about uh, two things that love are. Um, he says in verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. Uh, so just to illustrate that agape love kind of ideal, both of these things can be shown in the language of the Old Testament for the way that, that God be, behaves and the way that God shows uh, his favor to men and the way that God loves. He is patient uh, and he is kind. Um, Exodus 34, Psalm 63 are examples of, of these attributes of God. Okay, so there's two things that love is, patient and kind. And then he gives us a list of eight things that love is not. He gives us a definition by clearing away what love is not. And uh, these are really interesting. He says love is not envious. It's not boastful or proud. It doesn't dishonor. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It's not bitter. And it doesn't delight in evil. Then he gives us four more things that love does do. He says love delights in truth, that it always protects, that it always trusts, that it always hopes, and that it perseveres or endures. It, it doesn't give up. In fact, love destroys enemies uh, by turning them into friends uh, as love endures and, and, and perseveres. Finally, he says that love is permanent. He shows that all the spiritual gifts have a temporary nature, but love, the motivation and power behind them all, is eternal. The gifts are only God's uh, means of being at work in his church, but love is the work itself. Um, A beautiful verse in verse 12, as we get to the end, he says, Now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Um, So um, back in that day, they would see in a mirror, a mirror would just be a polished piece of metal. And so it was a very imperfect reflection. So uh, now as as we are working through what love looks like, we have a very imperfect reflection of what it's going to be, he says. But one day... When we are in heaven and see God face to face is what he says here, we will have perfect intimacy and perfect fellowship with him. And then we will know love fully and perfectly. And we will know God even as he now knows us. And then he ends with the beautiful verse saying that there are three important priorities for believers, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why is it greater than faith and hope? I'm not sure. But faith and hope are two actions of man here on earth. But love is higher than them because it is an attribute of God. It's one that we imitate imperfectly here. 
but one that we're going to experience for eternity in a, in a perfect way. So back to that quote in the beginning, let's stop dissecting the flower and just bathe in the warmth of this passage. Let me just read the whole chapter to you and just want you to listen and soak this up. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love.